0: It's Rugby Ranter Banter, episode one hundred and eighty-one. Hi, sheddies, it's me, Eddie Stevens. You're in big trouble if you're listening to this because I'm making an episode and I have virtually no planning and virtually nothing to talk about, and I'm almost dead. I just did a fucking brutal uh, leg circuit, which um left me in a heap, a sweaty heap on my gym floor, literally crying. I started crying at one point. I've never in my life cried. That's not true. I have dry- I have cried during a, a workout when I was at a very low point in my life and hormonally imbalanced. Okay? wasn't on my period. Uh, we'll just leave it at that, though. Uh, but this is the first time I have cried just from exhaustion and wanting to stop but being so insane i couldn't and it wasn't a long cry i didn't lay there cry. <laughs> i just sort of went <laughs> uh, but it was like it wasn't just a you know that kind of like oh god this sucks it was a proper like teary-eyed moment um and i don't feel good and i don't know if it did me any good um and it certainly hasn't cleared my head up. I feel, you know, like they've said when they interview athletes, especially like weightlifters actually, after like a like if you if they try and talk to powerlifters after a a meet, I think they called it they call it M E E T, like a competition, uh, often they, they come across as blithering, retarded idiots. And it's not because they're gym monkeys, it's because their brains don't have enough blood in them. It's all gone straight to their muscles and um that's kind of what i feel like right now um what am i going to talk about though uh well i suppose i'll talk about rugby i don't have a lot of time so that's good for you uh i've got nothing funny to talk about i've got no good intro uh what i'm gonna do is very briefly do you know what? i don't know what i'm gonna do should we just get on with it it's rugby rant Banter, episode 181 let's go I think I'm going to start this episode by just very quickly going to the BBC Sport Rugby Union page, or as it should be known as the BBC Sport Rugby Union women's page. And I'm just going to look at the headlines and I might start doing this every episode. Now, I know that the BBC is not the like home of England, English rugby. I know it's not, um, it doesn't have any real control over what happens in English rugby, but it used to be at the very least, like the main Um, well I don't know I don't know if it was the main uh, distributor of English rugby information but it certainly used to be uh, the source that I would go to to get most of my rugby news it's become terrible but I'm still going to stick with it because at the very least it could be entertaining now just looking through it bam top news number one headline Premier 15s which is the women's top-level English rugby. Premier 15's rebranded Premiership Women's Rugby. Okay, that's the top news. There's a World Cup coming up, but that's okay. Um, I guess that's big news. Look, I don't want to come across as, a like, if if it weren't for some of the absolute nonsense bullshit going on in uh, not just rugby, but in society in general, I wouldn't have a problem with that. I think that's fine. Next news. Gatlin ponders Wales World Cup capt- captain options. Ooh, that's interesting. Not going to click on that. Next one, there's a picture of Maru Toji. Education is so important. The Itoji's Africa mission. Cool. Saracen signed Argentina back. Sinti from Irish. That's a fucking good signing. I like Sinti. In fact, he was in my um, fantasy rugby team, my uh, Wasps fantasy rugby team this season, um, and did quite well when I had him. I think he'll do really well in a Saracens backline. Holy shit. Next news, Gloucester bring in five London Irish players. That's probably worth clicking on. Should we see who they are? Gloucester bring in five London Irish players after Exile's demise. Michael Dykes is the one. Well, I've never heard of him, so we can assume that the others won't be big names. Uh, We got, oh, fuck off, pop up. We got Irish Scrum Half. I don't know how to say this. Kalen, Cowlin, Colin, Inglefield. Never heard of him. Back row Ben Donnell. I vaguely remember him. And winger Michael Dykes. Okay. And then there's fly half Rory Taylor and Prop Afalabi Af- 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 Fasog- Fasogbon. Okay. Uh, don't know any of them. That was a waste of time. Veteran Wales hooker Owens ruled out of World Cup. Holy shit. Welsh rugby needs a change of narrative. So this is the – we should go to the English page. That's I'm on the general rugby union uh, page. We don't want all that Welsh bollocks. So top news is the education is so important, Itoji's Africa mission. Second highest news is that the Premier 15s is rebranded Premiership Women's Rugby. Third is the Gloucester uh, bringing in five London Irish players I've never heard of. Then – there's the Sinti moving from Irish to Saracens, which is big news. Bristol sign ex-London Irish forward Caulfield. I don't give a fuck. England fullback Kildan signs new Quinns deal. That's a woman. Uh, Star sign special for gloucester Harpery, That's women's news. Scotland's Macmillan signs new Saracens contract. That's women's rugby news. Exeter have to move forward after final loss. That's women's rugby news. Hunt to find the light to win title. That's women's rugby news. Defence coach Vass leaves Northampton. That's men's rugby news. So mixing things up, RFU shooting itself in foot over clubs' collapse. Probably worth reading if you're a grown-up, but I'm not. Uh, and then England to travel to Japan in 2024 for a historic test. I cannot believe that England has never played a test match in Japan. That's a bit rude. Uh, teams have met th- the teams have met three. T- we've only met them three times. That's crazy. With the last match of 52-13 for f- win for England in last year's autumn tests. Do you remember? I remember that. People were worried that we were going to lose that match. I think Eddie Jones managed to. Well, who knows how much of it was Eddie Jones' is doing? I feel like Eddie Jones unfl- uh, inflated his own reputation to ridiculous degrees with that Japan win over South Africa. Now look. It was impressive that they could beat South Africa, even though it was a bad South African team, like one of the worst South African teams of all time, right? But nevertheless, an incredible win. But I feel like he went from being a very well-known, respected coach, albeit a twat, to the greatest coach of all time with one win just by beating uh, South Africa. Now, who did Japan beat? Who was the coach of Japan when they beat Ireland? I can't remember. But anyway, I feel like not only was uh, Eddie Jones's uh, reputation uh, hyped up to a ridiculous and um, uh, unrealistic degree, but probably Japan's too. They peaked with that win. And there's no doubt they're a much better team than they used to be. But 52-13, we beat them last time. Anyway... I can't believe we've only played them three times, according to this article. Um, wow. Oh, so the, so I see. So England toured the country in 1971 and 1979. That's the year I was born, by the way. But the games did not have test status. That's quite interesting. I bet you didn't know that, did you? Um, and who would have thought you'd find that out on the England women's rugby page? uh those are the headlines so we you know really a couple of interesting articles but there's only so much they can do there's not a lot going on right now is there you'd be an idiot to try and do a uh an article a rugby podcast right now wouldn't you what are you going to talk about there is of course the under 20s playing which there's no mention of whatsoever which is actually fucking amazing isn't it what it's the england or it's the uh under 20 world championships right now and how the fuck do we not give a shit about that it's literally it's literally a showcase for young up-and-coming talent there will be players playing in this tournament that will become internationals and there will be a few that will end up potentially becoming legends of the game why don't we care i would love to see more of this i would love like i don't even know how to watch it i think they had it on youtube but i don't know if it was live um i have just googled the world rugby under 20 championship and i saw england of course i'm sure you knew this we actually drew with ireland under 20s 34 34. now i i I wanted to watch it but i couldn't get around to it uh from what i've heard we were getting a bit of a spanking and then we came back correct me if i'm wrong and uh depending on on your source We were lucky to to, to, to draw the game or we were incredible to come back. You know, um, I'm going to try and pay more attention to this because I actually, you know, one of the reasons I didn't watch this match is I feel like England under twenties have been shit for a while and I just didn't really want to have to deal with watching them play. But I, I will from now on, because I'd like to see, uh, see who to look out for over the next sort of 10 years. Um, but isn't that incredible that that BBC Rugby feels that um, uh, a Scottish woman signing for a women's Saracens team or getting a new contract there is uh, more important than the than the, the under twenty world championship? I find that odd. And and honestly, if I'm boring you with this shit, or if you're getting fed up, or you're thinking I'm some kind of I don't know what some kind of um misogynistic twat first of all I would say what's wrong with the massage all right secondly I would say I'll shut up I'll shut up about it because I'm actually boring myself with it you get the you get the jizz of my of my complaint um but what I want to do now is complain a bit more and more just generally it's the same old shit isn't it I'm going to be complaining about how world rugby is afraid of its own shadow now this only came to my attention today but um chris jones Jones jonesy uh brother chris brother jones christ brother jonesy um of the rugby brethren as i keep calling us but no one will no one else will uh indulge me on this but i don't care um pointed out that he had basically celebrated that world rugby had put a video of uh, a highlight reel of Alessandra Tuolangi, the best of the Tuolangis, as far as I'm concerned, and doesn't get enough respect. Um, Everybody knows he was a great player, great winger for Leicester for years and years, but we tend to talk sort of understandably about Manu more because he's played for England and he's great. And then some people talk about Henry a lot because he's the biggest, I think, and the scariest. But actually, if you look at impact on games, I think Alisana is the best of the lot. I think he's... I I have seen him run over fucking 10 times as many players as I've seen Manu run over. And you can look at a highlight reel of Henry and see him running people over, and it it might be a bit more dramatic and scary, but not a lot, because Alisana had the best blend, I think, of size, strength, and speed. Um, Fucking great player. But anyway, I'm getting sidetracked um brother jonesy pointed out that he had um replied to this video basically pointing out he was glad that they were actually celebrating the physicality of rugby and then world rugby took it down they deleted it and then when he asked why they haven't responded and i asked why and they haven't responded it's absolutely fucking pathetic i want to i mean we know why they took it down Somebody either they got tons of complaints, or somebody in a position of power said, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa! What fucking idiot put that up? We can't show that. We can't show rugby." I don't want to. I don't want to dwell on that too much, but it tells you everything you need to know about about the state of our game. You know, either when the people in charge of promoting the game, the people who who should love the game more than anyone else refuse to show people what we love about it and and i say we may i I have to assume that most real rugby fans like seeing that sort of thing and as i pointed out last week it's not the it's not everything it's not like we don't want to see skill and evasion i love a good sidestep and a lovely try As as much as the next guy, you know, but it's 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 everything. It's all of these aspects of rugby that make it so fucking great. That's the whole point. That's why when they they used to say, and some people still say, that it's a game for all shapes and sizes. That doesn't mean oh, it's it it means if you're scrawny, you still get to play. It means if you're scrawny, you might still be good at rugby. There might be a place for you. And also, if you're a big fat fuck, I'm sorry to use those words. Um, you might be great at rugby. You know, but the way we're going now, well I don't know what the fuck they're I I don't know what. I don't know how I don't know where exactly rugby is headed. But Well, it's headed to um extinction, actually, isn't it? God damn it, I don't know if you could hear that. That's thunder. And my bloody dogs, have I talked about my dogs? They're pit bulls and they're fucking annoying. And Uh, the brother and sister, Johan and Zulu, Zulu is the girl. She's insane psychopath and she, she's really nice. Both of them are nice. They like people, but they're such pussies when it comes to loud noises. If there's thunder or fireworks. And by the way, 4th of July is coming up, which means every prick within hearing distance is setting off fireworks for the next two weeks, illegal fireworks and ruining my life because Zulu tries to eat her way through a wall. In the house that I have patched up multiple times, and she's managed to eat a little hole through the wall again. I'm going to kill her. I'm not going to kill her. I'm going to get rid of her. I don't want her anymore. If you want a pit bull shipped to you, let me know. Uh, you don't want her though. She's a pain in the ass. Her brother Johan is great. You can't have him. Uh, well, you can if you want, but you have to take her too. I'm going to change subject. Okay. On Twitter and Facebook and Instagram somebody I don't know who it might have been world rugby or it might have been planet rugby is that even a thing still I don't know one of some rugby account was doing uh name the most underrated England player of all time and it was actually quite fun now first of all I want to point out some people get very very confused by the word underrated a lot of people we saying Richard Hill, who is widely regarded by many as the greatest England player of all time, World Cup winner, uh, Premiership winner, I presume, um, Six Nations grand grandson, basically a member of the most successful England team of all time, part of the Holy Trinity, and constantly, almost consistently and always named in everybody's all-time England 15, especially people that played with him, right? So I don't know in what planet you could say that he's underrated um, because he couldn't be more highly rated. Um, Also, when I named who I think is the most underrated England player, people flipped out and uh, telling me I was wrong because he's a twat, which was interesting because i wasn't saying who's the nicest coolest most likable player and also if you disagree with me you're kind of proving me my point okay because i said austin healy um and the reason for that is i think that he might be he's up there is w- one of the greatest talents ever in english rugby and You know, this has become a bit of a cliche, but it's true. Uh, If not for his versatility, he could well have gotten a lot more England caps. And I think his best position was Scrum half, although he's great on the wing and could also play fly half. And I think he might have played centre, but brilliant at Scrum half. Um, I actually, anytime I name an all-time England 15, I, I name him at Scrum half and it pisses people off so badly but that's why i think he's underrated i think uh people don't want to admit how good he was because they don't like who he is as a person and a personality which i find weird because yeah he is a he is a twat he's a bit annoying but he also talks a lot of sense and people if you ever watch him on any rugby program or just look at his comments on twitter all he gets is abuse so You know, it's a chicken and egg situation. I don't know what came first, his twatty behavior or people abusing him. But it's a vicious cycle. Of course, he's going to act like a twat when he's constantly getting abuse. Anyway, I looked at this um, most underrated England uh, player thing and looked at the comments, and it got me all excited. And I've made a most underrated England 15, which I think I may have done before, years ago, on this podcast. But we're going to do it again. And... I, I want you to disagree or agree with me and tell me who you think should be there. And, but just remember, if you disagree, you're, you're proving me right. Okay. So we're going to start, go from one to 15. England's most underrated. And by the way, they can still have, they can still be a successful player. You can still have a player with a lot of England caps and they could still be underrated. Um, you just can't have somebody like Martin Johnson, you know, or Lawrence Delalio actually you could make an argument for Lawrence Delalio, because as highly regarded as he is he's not you know i would say it's kind of like it's hard to pick an england an all-time england 15 without Lawrence Delalio, but a lot of people would do it so i don't know anyway it doesn't matter it's going to take forever if i talk about every one possible but this is the 15 that i came up with okay staying at loose head that was the hardest position for me and i know that some of you are going to mention players and i'm gonna be like oh of course yes he was very underrated but i'm starting with um long time bath legend david barnes the reason i mention him is i want to pick him in tandem with the tight head that i've picked because there was a period where the two of them playing for bath were absolutely fucking incredible and yet neither of them got more than if any a handful of caps maybe one or two each So I'll just name both props really quick, actually. So there's David Barnes and then Duncan Bell. Duncan Bell, both victims of the way they look, I think, because David Barnes looks like some bloke who's going to show up to fix your toilet. And uh, Duncan Bell looks like someone who's going to show up to break your toilet with the most disgusting, enormous shit ever, because literally his nickname was Belly because he was so fat and that caused him a lot of emotional stress, which he's talked about. But anyway, there was a point where Barnes and Bell bloody hell were tearing it up uh, for Bath with um, amazing offloads and athleticism that you wouldn't expect from either of them. So I've got those two. And then at hooker, Phil greening because he was absolutely incredible for Gloucester and then wasps, I think, but barely played for england for some weird reason and then i think he played some sevens for england which is incredible for a hooker and then he went on to coach the scotland sevens team which i found annoying um if you can hear this it's pouring with rain now and it's uh you might be able to hear it hopefully it's not ruining the sound quality which won't be that good anyway um at four So my two second rows, four and five. The first one, here's a good example of someone who's got tons of respect, tons of England caps, but I still think is underrated. And that is Simon Shaw. Because this is going to sound blasphemous. I actually think Simon Shaw is potentially England's best ever second row. Even better than Martin Johnson. Yeah, I don't, I know. What an idiot I am. But it's just one of those things where you read all about Read all about it, um, Martin Johnson. How amazing he was! How amazing of a leader he was! How tough he was! Blah blah blah. And I've seen him play a hundred times, and he's always good. But Simon Shaw is a guy that every time I saw him play blew my mind, just with his size and athleticism and skills. Fucking incredible player. And this is this is personal. You know, we're all going to disagree because we haven't all seen the same rugby. For all I know, I've, used, I've, I've missed matches where he played terribly. For all you know, you've missed matches where he played really well. Anyway, next second row, someone who – again, I should probably have Googled this to see if they're capped or not. But do you remember Dean Schofield, the Sale uh, lock? I think sometimes he played in the back row, but he was capped in a sail for a while. And then I know he went to France to play a bit. Another incredible second row who every every time I saw him play, just really tough, really, really, really uh, impressive in everything he did and should have got lots and lots of England caps. I know he didn't get all those. Okay. Six, blindside. Fuck. There's probably a million names I could think of, but I actually, again, similar to Simon Shaw, a player with a ton of caps, I've gone with Joe Worsley because – Everybody knows he was good, but you sort of see him as a sort as a um a super sub almost, because he he was there in the squad around the time of the Holy Trinity of Richard Hill, Neil Back, and Lawrence Delalio. And so you very rarely saw him starting unless England was playing a Polynesian team. Anytime we played Samoa or Tonga, <coughs> excuse me, um, you would see Joe Worsley starting at six or seven or eight, usually six or seven, just to be a tackling machine. And there was no one better. I don't think we've had a better uh, tackling player for England ever. And we've got big hitters like Courtney Laws. Um, Remember Jamie Noon back in the day? He used to smash people at centre. But just for consistency and number of tackles – Obviously, I'm not going to bother researching the stats, but he used to just literally win games by eliminating threats Um, and was better with the ball in hand than he's given credit for. A big, strong, athletic, powerful, world-class player. Now, at seven, really tricky. And the player I'm going to pick, now remember, it's most underrated. Doesn't mean the best secretly the best and no one knew it but my choice for underrated open side flanker for england and i could think of a few was actually do you remember andy hazel that played for gloucester i, sh- I want to look i actually want to look up his stats because he was a classic old school open side uh let's see real quick andy hazel rugby let's see if i can see his stats and he's six foot See, so he was playing rugby at a time where, to be honest with you, okay, in the late 90s, mid to late 90s, um, we had this change where very tall back rowers became trendy. Um, It was actually, actually, you know what, it was the early to mid 90s where all of a sudden I remember England decided to have a back row of. Players like they had like Tim Rodbert at six, Dean Richards at eight, and then they had Ben Clark at seven. And Ben Clark, I believe, is six foot five. And that's that became popular in English rugby. They wanted really tall flankers, whereas up until that point, the open side flanker would often be quite small because the idea was to have someone super athletic who could just run around making tackle, 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 tackle. Don't worry about the line outs. Don't even worry about the ball carrying, you know, and this trend lasted for years and years and years with Neil back being the exception that proved the rule. Because if you think about it, Neil back at five foot 10 came into the England team. And by the way, he struggled to get in the England team because everyone said he was too short for a long, long time, too small. Um, but he proved that he was good enough. And became a mainstay in that England back row. But during that time, who were the op- who were the, the alternatives to, n- to Neil back? Lewis Moody, who's, I don't know, at all, he's got to be at least six foot 3 let I'll check that. Lewis Moody, uh, Joe Worsley. Uh, and then you started having players like um, Magnus Lund, uh, Pat Sanderson came in. Or sorry, Alex, wait, no, Pat Sanderson. God, it's such a pain in the ass, isn't it? Yeah, Lewis Moody, six foot three, I just checked. And then, um, I remember they, yeah, they toyed with Pat Sanderson a little bit, and I guarantee there were plenty of, uh, uh, players that, that played for England at seven that I, I doubt there were many that were six foot or shorter for a long, 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 long time. Andy Hazel came along and was the classic old school open side. And every time I saw him play, he was fucking incredible. He never really got a good look in, you know? And then, like I said, there were some other players I could, um, I could mention, but I won't. Excuse me. Except do you remember, I don't remember how to say his name, but for Andre Furry, the, he was a South African born flanker who, he's exactly the same age as me pretty much. Um, but I remember – I don't know how tall he was. How tall was he? Because I can see his weight. He was 231 pounds, which isn't gigantic, and he was stocky and powerful. And I'm only mentioning him now because I just remembered a game where I was watching with some – I don't know who it was. There was a girl, and she didn't know anything about rugby, but I was watching England play, and he was playing, and he was carrying. Someone tried to tackle him. He ran them over. The next person sort of tripped him. He did a combat role, got up, kept running, and the, whoever the girl was – I can't remember who it was – just said – they can't tackle him. Uh, that's not really a good enough reason to, to pick him as the most underrated England player. But I bet some of you don't even know who the fuck I'm talking about. Um, i tell you what, one other player that I want to mention, just to be cheeky as most underrated seven, would be Dave Ward. And I say that because Dave Ward, if you remember, and I this is how underrated he is, I couldn't remember his name. And I had to check with the rugby brethren. First, I had to check with the rugby brethren. And then the first thing somebody said about him was that he was a cunt. And then the next thing someone said about him was that he's overrated, which somehow proves me right. Uh, Because as you remember, there was a season where Quinn started playing him at open side and he was without a doubt the best seven in the league for that season or two. Um, never got a chance for England, but really should have I'm not saying that to be controversial I still am of saying it just to be cheeky i don't I, I don't think you could say he's the most underrated England open side but worth mentioning number eight this was really hard because I know that people will mention players like oh fuck what was his name at Gloucester oh you know what I'm talking about there's that number eight Ugh. You know what? I Hilariously, all I can remember is how JB at Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast always says that his dad's a butcher, and I can't remember. I'm looking it up. He's like almost um, Gloucester's most famous ever number eight for some weird reason. I just typed in Gloucester Rugby number eight. No, I'm not going to find it. I can't believe I've forgotten his name. You know who I'm talking about. But anyway, it's a different Gloucester number eight, Ben Morgan. And the reason I say Ben Morgan is that I think some people just never saw him when he first – either weren't watching rugby when he first started playing for England or have just forgotten because there was a couple of seasons, maybe three or four seasons, where he was fucking incredible. Do you remember he was playing rugby in Wales? He was playing for Cardiff or something, and Wales desperately wanted him, and England wanted him, and everyone was talking about, oh, who's he going to pick? But it was really, really obvious that he would pick england if he if they wanted him because he's english and there's obvious advantages to playing for england and he did pick england and i remember um england were playing in new zealand don't remember what year it was don't remember why we were there i, I think it was just a, a tour of new zealand and the commentators i think we started with billy vunapola and then ben morgan came on and i remember one of the commentators saying oh he's he's almost more uh dynamic than Billy Vinopola, more destructive than Billy Vinopolo. And he and he he was on that level. He was so hard to tackle. And then you look at consistency, he's been really good for a long time. He hasn't been as explosive and, and amazing as he was that season. But if you look at the drop-off by Billy Vinopolo, Ben Morgan's drop-off hasn't been that severe and he's been quietly putting in very big performances for a while now. That's my number eight. Scrum half, I already said earlier Austin Healy. I don't want to talk about that anymore. At fly off, flyoffs really tricky. Um you could have said Andy Goode because he's like Austin Healy, everyone hates him because he's a massive prick. Um and he doesn't look the part. And yet, when you watch him play back in the day, he was incredible. I'm tempted to actually say him, but I actually went just to be just to be clever. I went with Alex Good instead because if not again, like Austin Healy, if not for his versatility, you'd have seen uh, Alex Good get a lot of caps for England at fly half, I suspect, or at least for Saracens. Moving on, let's do both wings really quick. On the left wing, Matt Banahan, because so many people. You know, it's one of those things where usually people judge players because they because of their size because they're not big enough. Yet someone like Adam Radwan, oh, he's not big enough. Well, watch him play. His size isn't a problem. You know, Dave Ward at seven. <laughs> uh, Matt Banahan, people remember, is just this big lump that wasn't any good. He had incredible hands. He could play wing and center and probably second row, um, but incredible speed. And there's ga- he would win games just by running people over and – Got a lot of England caps, deserved even more. One of the best England wingers ever. And if you think I'm that's an overstatement or an exaggeration, uh, you're underrating him. Uh, on the other wing, this is going to sound insane because I said Jason Robinson, which is mental because everyone knows he's great. But this is my thing with Jason Robinson. I think he's the greatest England player ever, period. I don't think anyone else can touch him just for... His ability to win games by himself and his ability to stand out and do what no one else could do at the time he was playing. Um, yet so many people don't pick him in their all-time England 15. It's mind-blowing to me. I'd pick him on the wing, and if I couldn't pick him on the wing, I'd pick him at fullback. And if I couldn't pick him at fullback, I'd pick him in the centres. Like, he's so much better than everybody else. And I've looked at Eng- like players that have played with him, That haven't picked him in their all time world 15. He would be in my, if I picked a world 15, you'd have Joan Alomo on one wing and Jason Robinson on the other. And it's easy for me. It doesn't mean there aren't other amazing wingers to have played the game, but Jason Robinson is on another level. And the fact that most people, so many people will disagree is why I put him at right on the wing for this underrated team. Uh, I'm running out of time now. I've got to leave soon. Uh, the centres. I'll be really quick. Inside centre. This will piss you off really bad. Nick Tompkins, because he plays for fucking Wales. And if he wasn't up more, if he wasn't rated as highly as he should have been, England would have secured him as an asset. And you wouldn't have people that I know in the rugby brotherhood who say he was shit, and they still think he's shit. He's blatantly. I was going to say world-class. He's blatantly international class. Could have been incredible for England at 12. Could have been the answer to our problems. And there's still people who say he's shit. You can't get more underrated. And at outside centre, John Clark, who played for Saints. You don't even know who he is, do you? I rest my case. And then finally at fullback, it should come as no surprise, it's Mike fucking Brown. England's greatest ever uh, fullback. But you, most of you disagree because you don't like him because you can't handle it. Oh, I'm tired. Um, that was sort of fun. Feel free to argue. Feel free to talk shit. Feel free to to uh, be condescending about my choices. I don't give a shit. i got to go. I've got stuff to do, but I'll be back next week. Follow me on Twitter, at Eddie Stevens, with an extra S at the end. Follow me on Instagram, at Eddie Stevens Massive, and have a good one. Goodbye.